Welcome to China in Context. I'm Duncan Bartlett. The Internet of Things has revolutionized how we interact with technology. It seamlessly connects people, devices, and data. However, this increased interconnectedness raises profound concerns about cybersecurity. Devices which depend on the Internet of Things, or IoT as it's known, could be a prime target for cyber criminals or a useful tool for spies. China's making an enormous financial investment in this field of technology, and it's aiming for an unprecedented global reach. So should other countries be worried? Is there a risk that the Internet of Things is a conduit of sensitive information to the Chinese Communist Party? Well, joining me to discuss this issue is a former British diplomat in China, now turned a national security analyst, Charles Parton, an associate fellow at the Council on Geostrategy. Charles, welcome back to China in Context. Thank you for inviting me. Now, can you start by explaining more about the Internet of Things, or IoT as it's known, and how it actually impacts our lives? Yes, so it's one of those expressions that, um, you know, in a sense, does what it says on the tin. But when you say Internet of Things, people immediately, as I do or did, glaze, glaze over. So, y yes, clearly it works off, off the Internet and it is about things, i.e. physical objects. And, and these are um, electronic things, if you like, embedded with sensors, software um, and, and processors, etc., uh, which connect up with our other physical objects and exchange data um, in, through through devices and systems over the internet and uh, increasingly play a very large part in, in um, making our lives convenient, perhaps speeding up the pace of our lives in, 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 in many ways, things that needed a period of time before now get done very, very quickly indeed. So um, yes, it's something that we are going to be involved in almost every second of our lives. But as you say, the Internet of Things covers a vast swathe of human activity. Now, you've studied this issue, and reading through your reports, I noticed that you place a particular emphasis on these cellular modules. You say that they're extensively used in energy, logistics, transport, health. I mean, that's just the start of a very long list. If I was to say to you, look, could you get out a hand and uh, put some cellular modules onto your palm, what would they look like? And can you tell us how they might work? Yes, well, they'd be quite small devices, you know, a couple of centimetres squared, perhaps. Uh, and, and, and these are sort of devices that get put into other systems or subsystems um, as, as, as to, make, to make them work. So, um, it, it's their electronic equipment. They can receive, transmit, and receive radio signals through the cellular networks. They they act in many ways just like your cellular phone. I mean, your mobile phone. They they have indeed a sort of e-SIM inside them, um, but they're not SIM cards uh, themselves. They're much more complex than that. Um, they, they go into a larger component, uh, a device, a piece of equipment, and they enable those devices to connect externally with other devices and systems. Well, clearly, this is an area which is attracting vast sums of investment, not only by China, but also by pretty much all the big economies of the world, including the United States. What would it take for China to become the leading player in cellular modules? Well, I think that's certainly its intention. Um, 
and they're going through the normal playbook, which might, which does include uh, substantial subsidies, pricing things at a loss in order to get market share, uh, and, uh, and attacking competitors, for instance, working out who their main customers are and, and deliberately detaching them by putting in pricing, uh, suggesting pricing deals, which are 15 to 20% in one case that I, I've come across. Uh, I, I mean, completely uh, un, uh sustainable in the long term but of course if you're being subsidized as part of a, a, a national Chinese Communist Party uh, policy to, to gain uh, ultimately the, the aim would be to gain a monopoly of supply of this which will give you uh, tremendous power. I mean at, at present uh, Chinese companies and, and these are hardly household names like Huawei and Hikvision we've all heard of but we should I think be just as worried about Quectel or Fibrocom or Meiji or Simcom. Um, but the current market share globally, it's probably about 64%, but that includes China itself, which is a big market. But if you looked at the United States, probably 30% of um, cellular modules provided by Chinese players. Uh, in the Europe, it's about 35%. In India, it's a horribly high 86%. Um, and you know there are plenty of Western producers of these pieces of kit. They're not especially high tech, although uh, they can be uh, if you go into edge computing, where a lot more of the processing is done in the actual device itself. You can get quite high tech, but um, generally they're not. And plenty of other companies, whether they're American, Canadian, there was a French one that's been bought by the American company, Japanese or Korean. Um, there, there are plenty of alternatives, as there weren't for instance, with Huawei, where there's only Nokia and, and Ericsson. Well, I think this all boils down to what we think the purpose is of China trying to be the top country for cellular modules. Is there, as you've suggested in your reports, a plan to use these cellular, cellular modules to monitor or to control activities in other countries? Well, I, I, I don't know if there's a sort of specific plan called the cellular module plan and, and with targets set out, but certainly, um, you know, this is something that, that the Chinese Communist Party wishes to do, in, in that is to dominate um, the, the new technology, science and technologies and the industries that depend from them, because that way, not only do you get large economic rents, which will sustain you as a superpower, but it gives you excellent opportunities for getting hold of uh, data uh, and and, um, and and creating other dependencies. I mean, all countries' intelligence services will exploit whatever opportunities that technology provides. And I don't think China or the Chinese Communist Party is any different in that. Mm. But I do think it puts an awful lot more resources into that than, than ours. Um, and so you know, the Chinese Communist Party, I think it, it is a threat in this, in this area to us. Um, it, it wants to ensure other countries don't threaten its interests, of course, just as we do, but I think it's 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 far more um, ruthless. Well, Charles, I think this raises two profound questions and they're interlinked. Firstly, can the Chinese state or the Chinese Communist Party use this technology for espionage and control on a grand scale? And secondly, would it wish to do so? I mean, certainly it would, would wish to. And um, perhaps in that sense, it's no different from us, except in the scale and resources. I mean, all countries wish to 
set the agenda, so to speak, and, and, and control things to, to push forward their, their own interests. Um, but as to the, the question of whether they can engage in espionage or, and control on a grand scale, um, for sure, this is a very good way of doing so. And, and it, it's not just a question of espionage, um, you know, getting hold of the information. And that's what um, cellular IoT modules are, are designed for. I mean, they are designed to um, send information in and out so that you can use it, improve system, etc. But of course, you can always use that information in 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 many other ways. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party will swear, as it did with Huawei and TikTok and other other such companies, that that information stays in the country of origin. But they've been proved to be lying uh, on, on that, and there's no reason why uh, these cellular module companies, which would get the information would keep it in our countries either. They would, of course, uh, at the request of the Chinese Communist Party, have to send it back to China and, and share it. So it rather sounds as though you're suggesting a decoupling from China in this area of technology. Is that possible? Well, inevitably, I'm afraid we do get to the D word and, and whether that's decoupling or de-risking or whatever, um, or diverging or any D that you fancy. Uh, I, I think we do get to this. I mean, let's let's be um, clear-eyed about this. The Chinese Communist Party aims to decouple, and the USA, I think, and is uh, bent on that path too. Uh, I, I mean, and, and you, you you look at sort of Teslas, for instance, in China. They are banned at certain times in certain places because Xi Jinping is there or the leadership is is there. They understand they understand this need to decouple or diverge. Of course, you know, having an aspiration to decouple 100% is, is not going to happen. It's not going to be fulfilled because we're too into, intertwined. But um, whatever the percentage is, I think that's the direction of travel. M made you know, more inevitable by the distinction between civil and military technologies really disappearing in many ways. So I think that uh, in, in terms of um, these sorts of technologies or data, um, you know, the new technologies, telecoms, yes, we are going to see as, as greater uh, a decoupling as both sides can achieve, which is not 100%. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean you have to decouple elsewhere. Uh, and when it comes to cellular modules, well, I think it would be relatively easy actually to decouple, in other words, to rely on those which we can trust, manufactured in, in countries that we can we can trust, um, if we have the will. As I say, this is not high technology. Uh, it, it, production can be ramped up quite quickly. And I think we're seeing the beginnings of this. The government recently, uh, the, the government's procurement bill is on the verge of becoming an act, and they've made amendments which will put on a debarment list, i.e. you cannot supply, be a trusted supplier to the government if you have certain components in your supply chain. And, and amongst those, I am very confident things like Quectel and Fibercom cellular modules will be included. So there is, there is divergence or decoupling starting. China's argument is that the United States and its allies are trying to hold back its legitimate progress. And resentment on this issue is often cited as the main reason for the deteriorating relations between China and the West. As a former diplomat, aren't you worried about that? 
well, yes, I am, and no, I'm not, because things are inevitable. Um, I, I mean, I think the threat really initiates and comes from the Chinese Communist Party, and it's it's very aggressive policies. So either we just um, roll over and say, have your will as your way, or, or we have to um, resist those policies if we wish to continue the current way of life and the systems we have. I mean, we've, we already see very considerable Chinese Communist Party interference in our, in our parliament and our, our academia, in our business and, and many other ways. So um, I think we have no choice but to react to that. I mean, clearly all of us would prefer a world without tension, but, but we are where we are. Um, and so sure, we need to work with China to the best degree possible. But I always come back to this phrase from the American poet, Robert Frost, good fences made good neighbors. Uh, and where we can, let's trade with China, cooperate with China, invest both ways where it makes good sense. Um, work together on global issues like, like pandemics and, and climate change or whatever. But there are plenty of areas, I'm afraid, where we have to defend ourselves. And this isn't a question of being you know, a hawk or a, or a dove. Uh, when it comes down to ornithology, I always say, well, I'm a drongo. I mean, people of you and my, you and my age, um, Duncan, will probably remember the, the word drongo and as an Australian slang, someone's a bit of an idiot, but actually, it's a bird which protects its territory very, very strongly. And I think we have every bit, every right to do that. So uh, I, I'm for protecting our way of life and our systems. And unfortunately, um, that means in some areas uh, in, in science and technology, uh, in fact, large areas, data, the new technologies, teleco comms, et cetera, it means keeping the Chinese Communist Party at, at, at arm's length. Well, thank you, Charles, for expanding my ornithological lexicon. That was Charles Parton, an Associate Fellow at the Council on Geostrategy. This podcast is produced by the SOAS China Institute, part of the University of London. And you can find out more about our courses and research at soas.ac.uk. But for now, that's all from us here on the China in Context podcast team. Mm -hmm.